0: Music, news, talk, and sports. WQKR Portland, 1270 AM and 1017 FM.
1: And now, Portland's news brought to you by Portland Natural Gas. Alderman Thomas Dillard's days on the Portland City Council may be numbered. A complaint has been filed with a Sumner County judge to force Dillard, censured by the council last spring and removed from any committee activities after he was shown on television admitting he had made racial slurs against his next-door neighbors. But the complaint that could lead to his being removed from the council has nothing to do with those racist comments. Instead, on September 19th, Portland City Attorney John Bradley filed a complaint with the Sumner County judge stating that Dillard should step down from the council because he's violating the city charter by running as a write-in candidate for mayor of Portland in the November 8th election. In March, and again two weeks ago, Channel 4 television investigates featured Dillard in two separate incidents where he had used racial slurs against his next-door neighbors, was seen and heard making racist remarks on television station and police body cam video, and was seen on that video telling Portland police officers, using his own words, to get out of his effing yard. At one point, police warned Dillard that his behavior was close to becoming disorderly conduct and could result in his arrest and his being taken to jail. Following the first incident, Councilwoman Megan Thompson called on Dillard to resign. When he refused, she began looking into the possibility of having Dillard removed from the council, and the other aldermen unanimously voted, except for Dillard, to censure him. Dillard is running as a certified write-in candidate for mayor. And the city's charter reads that if an alderman runs for mayor, he or she must step down from the council. Dillard has refused to do that, even after another councilman reminded Dillard that he himself had voted to approve the charter and the stipulation that a council member running for mayor should step down. Thompson, meanwhile, has continued to look for ways in which Dillard could be removed from the council. And two weeks ago, Portland police officers were again called to investigate another incident involving Dillard and his neighbors. It, too, was shown on Channel 4 Investigates. A hearing on the complaint is set for Friday morning at 9 o'clock in Gallatin in court. And Channel 4 Investigates says it will be there and will report on the outcome of the hearing on its 6 and 10 o'clock news Friday night. State officials recently announced $447 million in broadband infrastructure investments for three dozen counties in Tennessee, including Sumner and Robertson counties. $447 million in grants will be awarded for the expansion of Internet access across Tennessee and nearly 50 million more dollars will be directed to broadband, adoption, and digital literacy efforts. Thanks to the state's grant, more than 150,000 unserved homes and businesses in 58 counties will receive broadband access. Investment, deregulation, and education, three main initiatives of the Tennessee Broadband Accessibility Act, Work to provide broadband access to unserved areas through funding, warrant, and authorization efforts. Unserved areas of Sumner County were awarded Rural Broadband Grant funds in 2018 and 2019 during the first and second rounds of state funding. A couple of the three dozen grant recipients include CEMC, serving parts of Sumner and Robertson Counties, awarded 17.5 million dollars. The flu season in Tennessee is already here as the volunteer state is seeing an uptick in cases. Experts have predicted this year will be severe. Since last week, Neighborhood Clinic has been offering free flu shots and COVID-19 boosters. On Monday, in order to combat vaccine hesitancy, State Senator Farrell Hale rolled up his sleeves to get his flu shot. Doctors say now is the ideal time to get yours. We in Middle Tennessee have so many individuals with asthma or COPD or other kinds of illnesses that really put them at risk. If they contract influenza or COVID, they could develop very serious symptoms, potentially requiring hospitalization, said Hale. This year, it's set to hit children especially hard. After two years of living through a pandemic, many are surrounded by peers for the first time. Everyone over the age of six months old is encouraged to get a flu shot this year. We'll be offering these all through the fall, but we ask people to get their flu shot and their COVID booster just as soon as they can, said Hale. The sooner you get your shot, the sooner you have protection. Doctors advise that if you have any flu-like symptoms, wear a mask, stay home, and wash your hands. For convenience and cost efficiency, a gas-heated home is your natural choice with natural gas provided by Portland Natural Gas. When you have natural gas in your home, you can have savings in your bank account. Natural gas is the most efficient energy source and can save you up to hundreds of dollars a year compared to other fuels. So for the energy cost you can live with, make the natural choice. Natural gas from Portland Natural Gas. For more information, call 325-6776. Portland's news has been brought to you by Portland Natural Gas. I can't
2: believe we have to make this.
1: Not necessarily reflect those of the ownership or management of WQKR.
0: Author and historian Grady Eads. Uh, well, let's start off with something. Uh, let start with something a little lighter. Uh, let's become, what's new around here, Elijah? What's new? What's going on? Anything exciting going on in your life? Elijah's working the board today, so I thought I'd put him on the spot. I went to the gym. All right, Elijah went to the gym. Everyone, that's that's news. Definitely newsworthy. Thank you so much. <laughs> right, The Loyal Opposition Folks is a show based on the American ideal that nations like ours benefit when government reflects a diversity of voices and makes space for dissent. That's why we're here, to air the voice of dissent to the supermajority's policies and ideas. I I was asked by a listener recently if uh, I ever agree with the supermajority, and uh, if I did, would I say so on the show? my answer to the question was, uh, yeah, I would totally say so on the show, but it has never, ever happened. <laughs> so, well, I suppose it's everything is possible. And if I ever do agree, then yes, you will hear it here first. Uh, okay. Um, what's been going on in Portland? Well, uh, a lot of things have been going on in Portland. One thing I thought was interesting was last week uh, I helped out at the uh, WQKR Live remote broadcast at the Harbin Hollow two-year anniversary celebration. Harbin Hollow, a uh, uh, a loyal a loyal advertiser here at WQKR, a supporter of the show, uh, owned by Michelle Harbin, who uh, owns uh, who owns the market, and I've been friends with her for over twenty years now. And so we went out and checked out her two-year anniversary show, and they had a great time. Lots of people. There were some. Vendor booths there. Uh, we of course we had the live remote. There was live music. It was a good time. Uh, the loyal opposition stands four square in favor of small business folks. So shop local. If you haven't had a chance, check out Harbin Hollow Market. Uh, it's in the 800 block of Highway well 9 North, just north of downtown Portland. All right. Uh, Onward towards the news. My most hated news story of the week. Is uh, probably for loyal listeners, you probably know exactly what I'm going to talk about, but I'm going to talk about the uh, kerfuffle, the brouhaha, the controversy over the Tennessee General Assembly and state government suddenly discovering that Vanderbilt University Medical School has a pediatric transgender clinic. Uh, The hospitals had this clinic since uh, 2018, but um, Recently, it has become the subject of much uh, public scorn and ridicule by our elected officials due to a right-wing blogger posting a quote-unquote investigation of the facility where he argued that uh, parents' rights and employee rights of Vanderbilt are being trampled. Uh, Fortunately for the parents of the kids involved and for the employees of Vanderbilt University medical center. That was just not true. We are lucky as a community to have a pediatric transgender clinic. We, unlike many parts of the country, have a place where kids who are dealing with huge decisions with far-reaching implications can get the help they need, can speak with professionals who know what they're talking about, both medical and psychological. Uh, kids, uh, Kids are dealing with big issues. They're dealing with big decisions, and they don't have the Experience the wisdom of adulthood to make those decisions. So, having someone there to help guide those, those kids through their journey is very important. Yeah. Uh, but not everyone agrees. Yeah. Doctors and therapists who are trying to help trans kids are, are being called groomers and mutilators people who live every day with their distressed kids and who are trying to find some ways to help them in this world. Thrive and become all that they can become are called abusers. It's just not true. You know? But what do you do about it? What do you do about it? You know, there's a couple. There's a couple schools of thought. You know, number one, you could ignore it, pretend it doesn't exist, and hope it goes away. In other words, don't fuel the fire with irate radio show hosts. And clearly, that's not the tactic that I'm taking today. Right? But being silent. I think, A, indicates possible complicity, and B, uh, doesn't show the support uh, to trans kids and their parents that those groups definitely need. So, I am choosing to speak, I'm choosing to speak. Do I think it'll make any difference? Heck no, okay? Uh, Do you think think Republicans care about the contradictions in their worldviews, claiming to be all for kids, but yet uh, trying to shut down this operation that does nothing but help children. Again, we t- the Republicans love to talk about how we must protect the children, uh, but again, it seems like Republicans' concerns for children stops uh, once that fetus uh, is born out into the world. Sure, they got rid of, of legal abortion in Tennessee, uh, but their love for children seems to have ended there. You know, why is this a big issue? Well, I think it's kind of okay to be confused and to wonder about this. You know, we haven't really, we've only recently started learning about this. You know, we were taught when we were younger that there are two genders out there in the world. There's men and there's women, there's boys and there's girls. And for most of recorded history, men have been the focus of virtually all medical research. uh, And women, subject to very little. Uh, only recently have we been exploring unique issues regarding women's health in more detail. Uh, in fact, basically in the old days, you know, whenever women were sick and doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong with them, they called them hysteria. Uh, and hysteria, the, the root word from that, hystera is the Greek word for, for um, womb, for uterus. So uh, it was seen as a gender thing. And as it turns out, it's not quite that. Um, But, in more recent years, we have started to learn more about biology, more about gender, more about the differences between men and women, and we have learned that the conventional categories of women and men are simply not fixed. They are not easily definable categories, even though most of us grew up being taught that. You know, we're told that women have two X chromosomes, and men have one X and one Y. But there are people who have three X's, there are people who have two X's and a Y. There are people with XY chromosomes who don't know that they're male because they were born looking female and they've even given birth to children. There's a variety of people out there that we are just discovering and starting to learn about now. It is new to us, but it is not new to the human condition. And What we're finding is challenging our conventional understanding of what gender is and what sex is. And so that's confusing to people. And so I think the assumption is when we automatically start talking about transgendered individuals, especially transgendered kids, what we're talking about is something that's kind of new and different to most of us. And we think, oh, it must be some just liberal propaganda. But it's not, it's scientific fact, right? We are able to to examine chromosomes, we're able to tell the difference between the X and the Y, we're able to see the genetic differences as well as the physical differences. Um, one thing I learned from doing my research for this story uh, that I did not know is that at the beginning of the 20th century, over 100 years ago, uh, a scientist named Magnus Hirschfeld made huge inroads into the studying of transgendered individuals, uh, work that would have been valuable to us today, but uh, his, all of his work was destroyed by the Nazis um, in the prelude to World War II. I did not know that. So here we are, folks. We're in some new territory. People have been uh, only able and willing to live openly as trans for a short period of time. Kids being accepted as trans is a relatively new thing. Right. We don't really know exactly what it means to be a transgender kid who's able to live their life the way they want it to be. We're still learning. We don't know it yet. But if kids have the support of their parents and access to therapists and doctors who specialize in these issues, this is a good thing. Okay, this is the best case scenario. You don't have to understand it. You don't have to believe it. It's none of your business, and it's none of Bill Lee's or William Lambert's business either. It's time for government to once again get out of the way and let doctors, therapists, parents, and children do their job. The clinic in Vanderbilt is a godsend to the Middle Tennessee community. Uh, We should be proud and lucky that we have it because these kids have a place to go to figure out their lives, and their parents have a place to go that will support them as they aid their kids in this journey that they're undertaking. This is new ground, new territory, and, and as usual, some people react by being afraid or being angry or being scared, when I think instead we should be amazed that the, that the of the variety and diversity in the world. Uh, embrace that diversity for what it is. It is all part of the human condition, and we should support these folks in the work they're doing. All right, that's for the news for today. When we come back, we'll be talking with Grady Eads, author and historian, about his new book. Uh, until then, when we get back, you're listening to WQKR. I'm Lynn Santi. This is the Loyal Opposition.
1: The Sumner County Anti-Drug Coalition, an organization dedicated to ending drug abuse, is now the Sumner Prevention Coalition. But their goal is the same, helping Sumner County residents with drug abuse problems turn their lives around and get on the road to recovery. Their mission is to unite people with vision, commitment, and resources to provide solutions to eliminate substance abuse and make a difference for youth, families, and individuals in Sumner County. The coalition and its staff of experienced professionals in the field envision a healthy, safe, and thriving community free from substance abuse of all kinds, tobacco use, prescription drug abuse, and underage drinking. Find out how the Sumner Prevention Coalition can help you, and you can help the coalition. Visit them online at sumnercoalition.org. That's sumnercoalition.org. The Portland Sun is our local hometown newspaper where we can find out all the news about our friends, neighbors, businesses, schools, churches, and everything going on in our area. Every week, the latest issue of The Sun is full of the news we want and need, and it's only $20 a year for a subscription to get it mailed directly to your home. The Portland Sun, our hometown newspaper. For a subscription, call 615-384-6212 or go to theportlandsun.com online and click on the word subscribe.
2: W-Q-K-R.
1: No one told them. No one
3: warned them about the house on Willow Lane. Ah!
2: What is it? It's the house. It's, it's alive.
1: Here, Looney.
2: Have you seen this energy bill? Ah, this house is robbing us blind!
1: If your house is an energy thief, TVA and your local power company would like to help make your home more efficient and lower your bills. To learn more, visit energyright.com. We're CEMC. One of the biggest, best, and most exciting auctions ever in Portland is now underway online and will be available for open house viewing on September 24th. But you can go by and see the collections now at Days Gone By Museum, 122 Davis Street, Tuesday through Friday from 8 a.m. until 4 p.m. and Saturday from 8 until 2. For sale by bidding are the entire collections of the estate of Kathleen Collins and the contents of the museum. The volume and variety of the items up for auction are unmatched anywhere. Antique tractors, trucks, gas engines, steam engines, airplanes, motorcycles, scooters, antique farm equipment, antiques from all over the world. The most complete collection of Maytag appliances anywhere. It's unbelievable. Online bidding is open now at almanauctions.com. That's A-U-M-A-N-N-A-U-C-T-I-O-N-S.com. So hurry while the good stuff lasts. At
3: the Farmer's Bank, we want to be your bank for life. We work hard to bring you the products and services that will meet your financial needs no matter where life may take you. Whether you're saving for college, ready for retirement, getting ready to marry, or celebrating your golden anniversary, we're here for you. Visit us online at thefarmersbank.net or at any of our 11 area locations to learn more about how the Farmer's Bank can be your bank for life. The Farmer's Bank, equal housing lender, member FDIC.
0: Welcome back, Sumner County. This is the Loyal Opposition with your host Len Asante. You're listening to WQKR. All right, with us this afternoon is author and historian Grady Eads. Grady, how are you doing today? Very well, sir. Thank you for having me. Right, glad you can make it. Absolutely glad you can make it. All right. Uh, as usual, I like to ask the, each guest to start off by telling us a little bit about yourselves. You know your experiences, your credentials, what you do. All that kind of good stuff.
3: Okay. Uh, well, I was born in Nashville. Grew up in Franklin, Tennessee, south of, south of the city there. Um, went to uh, East Tennessee State University for undergraduate. Got my Bachelor's of Arts in History there. Um, took a little time to enjoy the exciting world of retail. Um, that was, <laughs> it was fun. Ha- hard to resist, isn't oh, it? Oh, <laughs> absolutely, yes. Uh, and then went down south. Went to Tuscaloosa, the University of Alabama, for graduate school. Uh, earned a Master's of History a Master of Arts in History down there and also um, a Master of Arts in Secondary Education. So I got two while I was down there and uh, while I was doing that I moonlighted as an adjunct history professor at a local community college there. (coughs) Absolutely fell in love with it uh, and realized that that's where I needed to be and uh, that's where I started my search and so since 2002 for the last 20 years I have been a professor at a local community college in this area Um, and that's been a history teacher for that amount of time. I've still, I'm still involved in scouting uh, to some degree, and um,
0: yeah, I'd probably talk. He wrote a book about yeah. scouting, so you probably should tell us your experience in with scouting.
3: Well, sure, that makes perfect sense. Uh, I actually was a Cub Scout way back when. I think my parents got me involved back when I was in second grade.
0: Is that uh, before the beard?
3: Yes, it was a little <laughs> before the beard. Uh, I joined uh, the Boy Scouts, um, I guess in 1986, somewhere in there, and I, and I only remember that because that was also the first summer that I went to Boxwell, um, Boxwell Reservation, which is what the book is about. Um, I was uh, a camper out there for a few years. I earned my Eagle Scout in 1990, and then I joined the staff at Boxwell, and so a lot of uh, my passion for this particular project comes from my time on the camp staff there from '90 to 1997. Um, and I've continued to keep my finger in things since then, but that's, those years were, were really important, and I fell in love with the place and kind of the history of it, and that's what has brought me to this.
0: Excellent, excellent. Um, you have a son. You think he's going to be a scout?
3: My son already is a scout. He already is a scout. He already All right. is a scout, so, okay. uh, yeah, he's, he's nine years old, and so he is in Cub Scouts. He is starting Weeblows right now, which is the top end of the Cub Scout. Right,
0: it's sort of a transition between the Cub Scouts and the Boy Scouts,
3: right? Absolutely, Weeblos. and he's, mm-hmm. he seems to be enjoying it for the most part.
0: Where does that name come from, Weeblows?
3: Weeblows is actually a—it's an acronym. We be loyal scouts.
0: We be loyal scouts. Yes. Gotcha. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, you just published a book. <laughs> I did. Why don't you? Uh, why don't you talk to us about, for the good of the program?
3: Okay. Great. I would, thank you so much. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry to spoil. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. As I said, I was on the the camp staff uh, over the summers from 90 to 97, and I worked with a lot of older men who uh, told me a lot of the history from their experience when they were there and what it was like, and I soaked all that in and thought it was really interesting. When I started graduate work and started moving out into my professional field, I started thinking about it would be nice to write a book on this someday. In fact, uh, myself and and this group actually got involved in trying to preserve the history. We would collect stories. We would scan old photos. And that culminated in about 2001, 2002 with making a website, virtualboxwell.org. Um,
0: Which is still alive today that everyone can go and check out, right? Absolutely. it is.
3: Right. Um, so there's another shameless plug. Um, <laughs> We're full of them here. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, and so I always knew that from, in doing that work that eventually there would be a book. I just didn't know when, when it would ever happen. And then... Um, to make a, a long, kind of boring story a little bit faster, um, about 2013, 2014, I was down at the Nashville Public Library. I was going through the Nashville Banner microfilm archives. Loads of fun back before newspaper. Wow, the com. Nashville
0: Banner microfilm archives, mm-hmm. microfilm machines. Wow, that mm-hmm. takes me back to grad school, too.
3: Indeed. Uh, and when I was going through that, I discovered that the very first Boxwell opened its doors um, on July 5th, 1921. And I realized that if I was ever going to write a book on Boxwell and its history, I needed to get on it because I needed to have it ready to go by the centennial, which was fast approaching by 2013.
0: So actually, the the Boxwell that probably most listeners know about down uh, Highway 109 heading towards Lebanon, that's actually the third Boxwell. It's
3: actually the the fourth fourth Boxwell. The fourth Boxwell. Okay, sorry. Uh,
0: fill, Fill us in. So there were three prior
3: Yes, absolutely. So the very first one was on a little little bit of farmland, four acres down in an area called Linton, Tennessee. Um, it's difficult to even find on a map anymore, <laughs> it doesn't even show up. Uh, but Linton is in between Bellevue and Fairview down Highway 100. Uh, so right there where Highway 100 crosses the South Harpeth River, that's where the very first camp was. And It wasn't anything like a summer camp you would think about today. There were no permanent buildings. There were no permanent waterfronts There was no permanent structures at all because literally the council was Renting the farmland for the summer. Um,
1: This area is most
3: about nine years in 1930 uh, the camp moved to Narrows of the Harpeth Um, and I think this is one of the most interesting little side stories about the whole thing because Narrows of the Harpeth was owned by a local coal magnate named Justin Jett Potter. And Potter leased the Narrows of the Harpeth, which he himself owned, uh, to the council, and uh, eventually sold it to them in the 1940s. And so from 1930 to 1948, Camp Boxwell was at the Narrows of the Harpeth, which is now part of the Harpeth River State Park. Um, its third location then moved in 1949 out uh, east to the Rock Island area around McMinnville, um, about by uh, Rock Island State Park, um, and it literally is on this little peninsula that the Caney Fork River goes around. There is literally a rock island there at the confluence <laughs> of uh, the Rocky River and the Caney Fork, and they had camped there for about uh, eleven years in the 1950s. Um, they weren't supposed to stay there. They never intended to stay there. Scouting was growing in the 1950s because of the baby boom after World War II, which did great sure. things for scouting numbers. Uh, and it just so happened that uh, they knew the right people in the right places at the right time, and the council got informed about uh, the old Hickory Lake project that was coming in, uh, and about where it was going to be and where the water levels were going to end up, which allowed them to be able to swoop in, purchase some land, and get a special act of Congress secured um, to basically have the Corps of Engineers lease the land forever to the local council. And so, in 1960, the fourth Boxwell opened at its current location on Highway 109.
0: Wow, well, I, was, I was reading in the book, I thought that was pretty interesting that the engineers had actually marked exactly where the water would come up to after the project was complete. And I'm like, wow, they know exactly. And it, and it turned out to be exactly right.
3: It did. Um, it's one of the coolest maps that I think I have seen. I think it was July 1954. The Corps had it laid out exactly where it was going to go which allowed the Boy Scouts to be able to come in ahead of time and pour concrete for waterfronts to put um, steel uprights for um, for water landings um, into where the lake would be, but wasn't yet. So
0: there's actually some infrastructure in place before the water came, and then when the water came, it ended up being right where it needed to be. Right where it needed to be. That's, that's pretty impressive, I think.
3: Indeed. I agree. <laughs>
0: All right. Um, in your book, you argue that, your base, the basic argument you make is basically as society has changed, scouting has had to change with it. Uh, and those changes were reflected by changes in what is called the program, okay? Basically what scouts did at summer camp. Uh, can you elaborate on that theme for us?
3: Sure. Um, you're right that the whole concept of the book, the basic argument, is that as society changes, scouting has changed with it. Those changes are exemplified through um, the program that is offered at summer camp. And so as time has gone on, the major emphasis of what camp, what camp program is trying to do, shifts and changes. So the very first one, the Linton-Boxwell and the Narrows of the Harpeth-Boxwell, their big focus was on citizenship. Um, The idea was that um, young men got involved in scouting, um, not just to be involved in the outdoors, but also because they were training to be adult leaders. Um, they 're trying to be adult citizens in society. they had responsibilities as citizens, so the scouting program at that point for summer camp was not just about doing all the fun outdoor stuff; it was about elected leaders and creating their own councils. So those very first two boxwells they had every week the local uh, the scouts who were at camp elected their own scouts for uh, a scout. A camp council that made the rules for the camp, so they had their own elected positions. they made up their own rules, and they basically ran the camp every week um, I mean a wonderful example of what citizenship would be in training for them as they got to be adults. Um, the council is kind of neat because it not only made the rules but it also got to judge the rules and enforce the rules, so it <laughs> was it was legislative, executive, and judicial all rolled into one not, absolutely. <laughs>
0: Well, I guess that uh, teaches you that, uh, I suppose, that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely,
3: yes. Okay, uh,
0: but then there, was a bit of, then there was quite the change.
3: Yes, there was. So uh, those first two camps take you all the way up through World War II. Uh, and I think as most people realize, by the time you're getting into the late 40s and early 50s, American society has shifted somewhat. Um, There's a much greater emphasis on family. There's a much greater emphasis on that suburban utopia sort of idea. Um, and that brings with it changes to scouting. So when Camp Boxwell moves to Rock Island, one of the things you see is there is a growing emphasis on the family. Um, So all of that elections, um, all of that sort of camp council stuff, all those things go away and they are replaced by more individual achievement sorts of things. Um, So we're gonna have a more traditional you take this merit badge class and you earn this and move on. But meals, for instance, are a great example of the new emphasis um, because now the meals are going to be served in a dining hall and they're going to use what they call family style so before it was a lot like a camping trip you brought your own mess kit with you they served you into your mess kit and you just ate at a table and you went all about your day now what we're going to do is we're going to have you sit at a table and we're going to have the platters of food out there and you s- serve yourselves you pass them around the table just like you would at, 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 if, at your family dinner table just like at a family <laughs> dinner table and each person got a chance to be uh... the head of the table practicing to be dad and the father figure. (laughs) Of Um, course. Again, yeah, a little prep for when they go out into the world. So it focused on individual achievement and family which were things that I think if you think about the 1950s, that very much is our image of what men were supposed to be.
0: Sure, the whole uh, you know images of like leave it to beaver pop-up, stuff like that, right? Yes, very
3: much in that vein. Mm -hmm. I would also note that one of the parts that's kind of interesting about that is you can start to see sort of the bureaucratization of scouting a little bit in that uh, the first two camps, you would have whatever you wanted to take were, was, open, was open game. So whatever merit badges you needed, they would find a way to get that to you. By the time you got to the third camp in the 1950s, here's a specific slate of things that are going to be taught by specific individuals. Mm-hmm. It isn't a free-for-all anymore. We're going to do this, 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 and this, and that's all that's offered. But we have people who are trained to do that to make it a better experience for you.
0: Right. Exactly. Excellent. And then the next generation comes along and things change again.
3: Yes. That you have
0: uh, one minute to talk about, according to Elijah. <laughs> we,
3: we may have to pick that part up. Pastor, we certainly we get back can. The, break. <laughs> um, the, the fourth Boxwell, obviously because it's had such a long history um, from 1960 all the way up today, you can kind of break it into three pieces. Um, the first piece, 1960 to about 1975, is very similar to the third Boxwell as far as the Rock Island camp is concerned. Uh, that family uh, basis is still there. That individual achievement basis idea is still there. The only major difference with this camp in that period is there's so much more. Um, scouting has grown so much. The camp has grown so much. You go from one camp that did maybe 250 scouts a week to a reservation that has multiple camps doing five to 700 scouts a week. So a
0: reservation in scouting lingo is defined as a place with more than one camp. Is correct. that correct? Yes.
3: Okay. So a Boxwell reservation has multiple scout camps on it.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, when we come back, we will continue our conversation with Grady Eads. This is The Loyal Opposition. You're listening to WQKR.
2: It's anniversary month at the Mint Gaming Hall Kentucky Downs and you can celebrate two years of fun. Play with your Mint
3: Rewards card all month and you can be selected to play the high-low drawings where you can win up to
1: $250,000. How does a Challenger GT sound? We are partnering with Franklin Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram to award one on Friday the 30th at 9 p.m. You can play the free weekly football contest too. The MintGaming.com has all the details. The Mint Gaming Hall Kentucky Downs. Problem gambling? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. If you're looking for a job, or a better job, we have good news for you. Habilitation and Training Services, better known as HATS, is looking for direct support professionals, DSP, to work alongside adults with intellectual disabilities by assisting them with community integration, community employment, and activities of daily living in a residential setting. It's a specialized field, but prior experience isn't required. It's a job that's rewarding and meaningful and offers great benefits, including paid time off, health, dental, and life insurance, a retirement program, and longevity pay. And in addition to all that, every night when your day is over, you know you've helped people to have a better life. What a great feeling. What a great job. HATS offers full time, part time, and PRN positions for various shifts in Portland, Gallatin, and Springfield. For more information, call 615 575 1030. That's 615 575 1030. Or go online to HATSTN.org. HATSTN.org. This is a rare opportunity to have a job you love and help other people who need your help. Make the call today. 615-575-1030. 615-575-1030. You'll be glad you did.
3: It's time again for Panther football. And Graphic Obsessions has all your Panther gear for the season. Right off the rack or get custom printed shirts and hoodies with your favorite player's name and number custom printed and delivered fast. Shop where the Panther shop. Graphic Obsessions. 105 South Broadway. Open Monday through Friday from 9 to 5 or visit our Facebook page shop small shop local
1: shop portland panthers at graphic obsessions
3: it's time to
0: save on the powerfully versatile kubota m7 tractor with up to 168 horsepower superior loader lift capacity and operator friendly controls and comfort the hard-working m7 rated number one in durability and owner experience now get the kubota m7 tractor for zero down and zero
1: percent apr for 60 months plus eight thousand dollar loyalty cash reward now through september 30th see us or go to kubotausa.com for full disclaimer Good
0: afternoon, Sumner County. This is Lenisante, your host of The Loyal Opposition. You are listening to WQKR, Portland's radio station. It is 541 p.m., 64 degrees outside at the Portland Municipal Airport. Clear skies with a low of 44 tonight. Stay warm out there, folks. If you have a comment for or a question for our guests, be sure to send us a text message at 516-440-6310. That's 516 516- Four four zero six three one zero. That is our text number. Okay, uh, we're continuing our conversation with author and historian Grady Eads. We're talking about how the changes in uh, society mirrored the changes in. Boy Scout program, or maybe actually the other way around, I guess, or maybe both ways. <laughs> uh, we kind of got us into—I think we got into the ni- about in the 1970s before the break. So, what was the next big change?
3: Sure. Um, so, I, l- let me mention this here real fast because I do think that it's important. I do think that, that uh, it's worth mentioning that fourth box, well, the one that's out on 109, the current one today. I also think it really reflects very well, kind of that optimism of the 1960s—that um, you know, this this feeling that anything was possible. I mean, you have Kennedy uh, who comes in in 61 and wants to put man on the moon within 10 years and we do it. Uh, And I think the Boxwell Reservation is a similar kind of thing. We're going to take this program that 10 years ago was just kind of sprawling along and we're now going to have enough to build a reservation that's going to be able to feed us and support us for decades to come. Mm -hmm. That's a huge project. The capital campaign that built that reservation was the largest capital campaign in the history of scouting. Up to that point,
0: and as a result, there's like dozens of structures on the reservation. Absolutely, now, right? yes,
3: yes. Um, so, and I think that says a whole lot about it. you've got working dining halls, you've got uh, these shower houses with flush toilets and sh- hot water shower facilities, which were just when you think about 1960 scouting. That's just off the charts, amazing. It's glamping, as you <laughs> call it today. Uh, so really very very impressive stuff. Uh, scout professionals from other councils. Uh, started coming to Middle Tennessee to see how we ran that capital campaign because it was that successful. Um, So I think that's another way that what was happening here mirrors the the bigger nation. Um, When you get into the 1970s, uh, perhaps not surprisingly, you get a a trip, a hiccup the way that you see at the national level. (laughs) You get Nixon, uh, Watergate that that comes in the early 1970s and um, there's this great distrust of institutions all across the board and scouting ends up falling into that same category. Um, the local council executive, the man who ran Middle Tennessee Council, uh, a gentleman named Ward Akers, gets accused of nepotism and making too much money and uh, doing some some dealing that he shouldn't be dealing. The council investigates all of that. He Everything turns out to be okay, but it's that idea of distrust of these institutions, and he ends up retiring. And so for a few years there, in the 1970s, um, things are really tight as far as the money and the emphasis has to change a little bit. Survival becomes uh, the big deal as inflation goes up, as things become more expensive. (laughs) Uh, That sounds familiar, I think.
0: Yeah, sure. What comes around comes around, doesn't it? Uh,
3: So it takes a while for scouting's numbers to, to rebound. It'll be the 1980s before you see that, and when it does, we see almost that 1980s conservative push of individualism and it's your work that matters you don't need the group so much it is your own Ah, yes Uh, Yes. and I think you see that more and more uh, in scouting and even at summer camp they introduce a program called cope uh, which is a challenging outdoor physical uh, encounter which is a ropes course and it's supposed to do team building but of course um, part of what makes it so exciting is that individual achievement that you get to participate in so you are kind of trying to straddle the fence and get both worlds um, I would note that the council does have two other capital campaigns there's one in 72 and one in 1994 both of which are enormous and so by the time you get into the 1990s you can see again how the world has changed um, when the original camp was built in 1960 one of the three working camps was a family camp um, and it was a camp that was dedicated just to the family so the dads would bring up the kids and then mom could bring up the kids that weren't scout age and they would stay at this other camp camp Murray But by the 1990s, because of changes in inflation, with real wages dropping, uh, women getting jobs more often because of the women's rights movement in the 1960s, uh, you will generally find that the families aren't staying at that camp anymore. And so in the 1994 campaign, that family camp becomes a camp dedicated just to Cub Scouts. Um, Hmm. The whole idea being that the Cub Scouts are the future, and this is the way we need to invest our money is to making sure they have a good experience so they stay in so they stay around sure exactly of course Um, and so from that point forward you kind of enter more into the modern day and I, i don't think this should be a huge surprise where a big emphasis now with the camp program and with scouting in general i think is really to try to market itself as a more fun activity um patriotic patriotic yes but more fun because i think scouting feels like definitely summer camp feels like It is competing with so much. There are so many activities for kids now. Video games. Oh, video games, (laughs) multiple soccer camps. Uh, There's just so much. Social media. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, That having something that can lure you in becomes all that much more difficult to achieve.
0: So your son, basically, I mean, if if he and his parents wanted to, he could be involved in something. Every day, of the, every day of the week, every day of the year, probably, right? Probably Between so. all the different options available for kids right now.
3: Well, and for summer camps, when the summertime starts, the deluge of possible camps that are open for kids is just, the range is, is incredible. Sure.
0: Be above, above and beyond what scouting was Absolutely, scouting well. yes. And also a more recent change um, is that the girls are scouting now. Yes. Above and beyond the Girl Scouts. So. How did, did, uh, you know, I guess we kind of know how that came about, but how did that get integrated into the Boxwell experience?
3: Um, So in 2018, I guess actually technically 2017, the Boy Scouts of America said that they were going to allow girls into the program. They were going to do a – guess a slow roll as far as that program goes so girls could enter the Cub Scouts in 2018 they were allowed to join the new Scouts BSA which we used to just call Boy Scouts Scouts, now mm -hmm. called Scouts BSA they were allowed to join that program uh, in 2019 in fact Murfreesboro uh, has one of the is the first all-girl troop in the council and their unit number is 2019 but it's, it's really interesting because people, I think, were very worried about what this was going to mean as far as summer camp program. Um, in fact, when they first pitched the idea, when the council first started talking about it, um, the idea was that they would have a separate week just for girls to make sure that there were no problems. Right, of uh, course. Quote, quote, unquote. No problems, uh, um, yes. But for whatever reason... That ended up not happening, and the girl troops, the female troops, came out with the boy troops, and there really weren't any issues. Um, As I understand it uh, from talking with various people out there, the biggest problem with the female scouts being out with the boy scouts was not the boys and the girls cavorting or fraternizing. It was the older men. Of course. uh, (laughs) Yes, who were... Who are not happy about the change uh, and sometimes it's, it's always
0: the older men, isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> we, we see that a lot on this show. <laughs> uh, not Older men not happy with change. Mm.
3: But that's been, I would mention, uh, since you've, you've opened this door, that's over probably the last 10 years or so, scouting as a big program has had several big changes. So uh, scouting in America starts in 1910, uh, so 2010 was the centennial, and for about the last 10 years, they've made a, several big policy changes. So girls coming in, uh, females coming in in 2017, 18, and 19, we just talked about. Uh, but before that, um, homosexual youth were banned in the scouting program. Right. They were allowed, youth was allowed in twen- uh, 2013. And then adults were allowed in 2015 so they could become leaders. So all three of those things happened within a very short period of time. Uh, and all within a decade, so scouting that's has a, undergone a major identity shift a, in just the last 10 years.
0: could be a trama- it could be a traumatic uh, a series of events for a very large organization uh, but it seems to have gone it seems to have gone well I mean at boxwell there i 'm in mean, campus is co-ed. Yeah, yeah,
3: campus
2: campus
0: co-ed coed. Um, and we survive, and the world continues to revolve <laughs> around this axis and and merit badges are being earned, and fun is being had.
3: Absolutely, right. yes. Uh, in fact, one of the things I continue to find really fascinating is that Cub World, uh, the new camp that was built, um, has a staff that is almost completely integrated. It is boys and girls running the staff, mm. and they are more family than they are uh, anything else. Um,
0: sure, I, I think that's what the experience does. I mean, I, I, I was never a scout, but I did do the camp counselor bit when I was a teenager, of course. Camp Pocono Ridge in Mount Pocono, Pennsylvania. Uh, <laughs> And yeah, you, you bond you bond with your fellow with, uh, with your staff with your fellow staff. You bond, right? You endure hardships together, and you have fun together, and it, sure that makes you a family group. Absolutely. Uh, yes. absolutely. Yes. Okay. Excellent. Interesting stuff. Um, the main reason I wanted to join, wanted you to come join us today. Um, it seems that we can use changes in scouting. Some of them, which were obviously controversial at the time, at least as a lens to examine social change in the culture at large. History shows us that change is inevitable, progress is inevitable, um, but some people disagree and seem, and seem to fight that. Uh, within, without asking you to commentate on larger social issues, did that, from the scouting perspective, did that, did that seem an accurate statement? Uh,
3: I would say yes and no. So sure. and I, let me parse that and I'll explain. So change absolutely is inevitable. I think that is the one undeniable lesson that I took away from this um, is that change is gonna happen there's nothing you can do uh, to stop that it's that is the universal uh, constant but whether that's progress or not is sort of in the eye of the beholder
0: right change and progress are not synonyms necessarily exactly right Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. so
3: there are a variety of examples I could pull out Um, I'm not sure that we want to hear all of those but there are a variety of examples where you can think of where change has happened and for some folks that would definitely be progress. It's steps in the right direction, but for others, uh, things are going the wrong way, um, and that's right. and I think that's the nature of what change is. It's not always seen as progress, but you can't stop it from happening. That's going to happen no matter what. Entropy, if <laughs> nothing else, right? We'll en- and entropi-
0: entropy you. exists. Right. Yes. There would there would not be a universe if if it is, if it isn't. Um if it didn't exist. Uh, boy Scout enrollment is on the decline these days. Uh, and I, I think we mentioned a little bit, you mentioned a little bit about the competition out there. Uh, what do you see, do you, do you still think the, boy, the scouting mission is still relevant? Maybe even more relevant today than it ever has been?
3: I think this is a great question. Uh, yeah, absolutely I do. Um, the idea that there are um, these values that kind of transcend gender these scouting values of being trustworthy and loyal and helpful and friendly and courteous and kind I think those are things that benefit all of us Um, and I do wish that we would all learn those things I know that there are individuals out there who aren't really happy about the change of letting girls into the program but I can't help but look around and say well if we were all actually adhering to these sorts of ideas wouldn't we all be better people so yeah I think there's definitely a place for it In my mind I think the biggest problem right now is that scouting has a hard time figuring out how to promote itself Um, because when people think of scouting they sometimes just think of it as um, just camping for the outdoors or maybe putting little flags in uh, cemeteries at uh, Memorial Day and it does that and it is those things but I think scouting is a whole lot more. It teaches people to be individuals to make responsible choices. It teaches them how to be able to survive on their own to be good citizens I think that's training that we need. I think it's hard to argue that we don't need that kind of training.
0: (laughs) Exactly. I mean, just the being nice people part. You know, we we seem to get, uh, well, you should visit the loyal opposition's Facebook page sometime sometime and read some of the comments. Uh, Some not nice people out there. Uh, All right. Um, Well, are you still active in scouting today? We're, we're just about finishing up, so but I do want to ask if you're still involved.
3: I am. I'm actually the uh, assistant den leader for my, my son's uh, pack. Uh, I still run virtualboxwell.org, uh, and I still have some involvement with Scouts BSA at the council level. I hope that one of these days I will be able to go back and work summer camp staff.
0: If, uh, if people are interested in buying your book, where can they get your book?
3: You can get a paperback copy of it uh, off of Amazon.com. Search for my name. That's the easiest way to find It's to search Grady Eads, or you can go to virtualboxwell.org, and I have a link there where you can reach me and get a copy that way.
0: Excellent. And uh, I understand you are doing a book signing coming up pretty soon. You want to tell us about that?
3: Absolutely. Thank you so much for mentioning that. Uh, Gallatin Main Street Festival this weekend from 11 to 2. I will be down in front of the public library selling and signing books.
0: All right, so if you're interested in learning more about the history of Boy Scouts and how that relates to the larger history of Middle Tennessee, check out Grady Eads at the Gallatin Street Festival this Saturday. 11 to 2, you said, in front of the library. That's right? correct. Okay, folks, we're just about out of time. Uh, it's time to wrap up yet another episode of The Loyal Opposition. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, next week we have... <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, next week we have... Uh, Well, social media influencer Deb Moore will be joining us, uh, and we're going to be talking about, well, all sorts of stuff. Uh, So join us next week for the next episode of The Loyal Opposition. I'm your host, Len Asante. Uh, It's been good having you with us for the last hour. Have yourself a great day. Take care. And this is WQKR.
1: Hi, this is Jay Preston, host of a brand new show on WQKR on Sunday afternoons. We call it Americana Country. You'll hear the best Americana and roots music anywhere. We feature singer-songwriters, folk music, blues, classic country, bluegrass, rockabilly, classic rock, and R&B. Join me, Jay Preston, Sunday afternoons, 1 till 4 p.m. on WQKR for Americana Country. Portland's only locally owned hometown pharmacy is Portland Prescription Shop, 705 South Broadway with a convenient location, convenient hours, and a free delivery service for all local residents. If you're a former customer of Village Drugs, which closed at the end of March, Portland Prescription Shop will be happy to be your new home for all of your pharmacy and prescription needs. Open Monday through Friday from 8.30 until 5.30 and Saturday 8.30 till 1, Portland Prescription Shop accepts all insurance plans, a big selection of over-the-counter non-prescription medications and sundries, and a $1 and $2 section with a big selection of items at super-saving prices. Locally owned and operated, Mike and the friendly staff are looking forward to helping you with all of your pharmacy and medical needs. COVID home testing kits are available now at Portland Prescription Shop, 705 South Broadway. Hometown service, convenience, and free local delivery. Portland Prescription Shop. Here's an important message from Portland Natural Gas. Always looking out for your safety. Think you have a gas leak? First, evacuate the area. Don't use matches, electrical switches, flashlights, or telephones. And report it immediately by calling Portland Natural Gas at 325-6776. If you think the leak is serious and a real danger is present, call 911. Portland Natural Gas. Looking out for your safety and providing cost-efficient heating and cooling for Portland residents. This area's most complete selection of building materials is at Portland Builder Supply, 462 North Broadway in Portland. They have everything for your home improvement project. Friendly professionals are happy to answer all your questions at Portland Builder Supply. Go by today, serving your home building and remodeling needs for more than 30 years portland builder supply 462 north broadway they're the pros and they're waiting to help you
2: did you know that practicing gratitude promotes a positive mindset strengthens your self-esteem reduces stress and anxiety and improves sleep hi michelle harbin certified nutrition coach and owner of harbin hollow local market here being in a state of appreciation is a large part of my daily wellness routine Since opening Harbin Hollow, I give thanks daily for the many opportunities our little market provides. I'm grateful for the farmers and small batch artisans who share their crops, products, and talents with us. I am grateful for our team and the sense of family we foster, and I am beyond thankful for the Portland community and each of you that continually chooses to shop small and spread the local love. Visit Harbin Hollow local market to enjoy local meats, dairy, baked goods, bath and body products, handmade jewelry, and more. Remember... 67 cents of every dollar you spend at a local small business stays right here in our community. Join me in a moment of gratitude for the opportunity to support so many local folks. And come see us at 809 North Broadway in Portland to shop local today.